Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a 1500 ESPN Twin Cities production. He doesn't plan on writing a book to chronicle all his incredible experiences over the past 50 years covering Minnesota sports. But we've convinced him to do something even better. To share his greatest stories in auditory form right here. We wanted to call this a prairie home curmudgeon. But legal nixed it. So we proudly present the best stories from the mind of Patrick Royce, titled Royce Rambles. Here's Judd Zulgad. All right, welcome to another edition of uh, Patrick Royce Rambles. And uh, Patrick, today with the Ryder Cup coming up uh, in town here in the next couple weeks, we're going to discuss the art of covering golf, which, as I recall, you told me, you said years ago at the Star Tribune, the smaller the ball, the better the writing. Is That's, that correct? I can't remember who I first heard that from, but I've, uh, I've been, become a long-time believer in it. But I think it's more uh, based on uh, the fact that the great thing about golf, Judd, is that you have the the two opposing elements. I mean, you have the two elements. You mm-hmm. have You have the players, of course, the competitors, but you also have the arena in which it's played, the golf course. You play a football game. Where you're playing it makes no difference, right? Right. But in the golf course, what makes golf wonderful to write about, to cover, is the variables of the golf course, where they're playing. And, uh, you know, it it makes for a very descriptive uh, part of the drama, which you don't get in a lot. Even in baseball, you do to some degree in baseball, you know, with the different, you know, Fenway. You're in Fenway. You're you're writing about a different kind of place. But uh, the wonders of golf are that... uh, the golf course, and uh, you know whether you're in Pebble Beach or you know where, wherever you might be. And I covered 18 Masters in Augusta, and the golf course was the same. But everybody still wanted to hear about the golf course. You know, that's that's what kind of makes it fun. So, as, as far as that goes, too, is that because of of the people that play the sport love the different courses? Yes. Or it just it just lends itself to different variables than, let's say, a baseball game. Uh, well, it certainly lends itself to baseball has many variables more than more than most sports, but right. But golf has more probably more variables than anywhere. I mean, even tennis, you could go to Wimbledon or the U.S. Open, or I've never been to Wimbledon. I've been to the U.S. Open, but there it is, the rectangle, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah, mean, it. yeah, it doesn't say anything. But the, the great thing about golf, writing it, is the wind, the golf course the, the the difference in shots the uh the you know the the whole drama of the golf course is is what makes it a lot of fun and uh and uh i've, I've always enjoyed it a lot although mm-hmm. from a standpoint of the fans there's nothing worse than golf they can pretend like they're out there having a good time but at the Ryder cup you're gonna have forty thousand people trying to watch four groups play golf sure so What's going to happen is twenty thousand of those. They they're bragging about having big screens out there, right? They got like ten big screens around the golf course where you can watch the golf. 
Well, I just paid fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> for a four day pass. Yeah, I can watch TV at home. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it it is really hard work to watch or cover golf. It's it's very hard work. It's long, long days if you're covering it or if you want to watch a lot of it. And it's uh, you know, it's and it's you know, you got to hump along. And if you want to get anything. You know, I obviously people who cover it spend a lot of time watching TV too. Right. But you also want to go out and try to get a little of the atmosphere of the thing, and it's hard work. It's it's hard work, but it's it's great to uh, to uh, uh, cover it for the drama of the golf course, and uh, if you get a good competition. But it, I think, it's pretty obvious why. Nobody under 50 watches it on TV, though, don't you? I mean, you can't get people to watch a baseball game. Yeah. The, how the hell are you no going to get them? How are you gonna, yeah. how they, that's three and a half hours. How yeah, the hell are you going to get right. them to watch? How are you going to get them to watch two guys play golf for five hours? You know? So right. it's, it, it, is a, it is certainly a game for uh, older generations to watch. There's no doubt about it. But yet, at Hazeltine, we'll have a lot of youth out there running around. Sure. And yelling USA, USA, or in the hole. Yes, but they won't. They don't really in their hearts. They don't give a damn. All they want to know is if the Vikings won or not. You know, so drink a couple beers. Yes. So, so when you've covered golf, what's the strategy then? Do you try and get out and follow a group for a little while, and, and then go in the press tent and watch it, and and cover it from there, and wait for the press conference? Well, or, I, or when I've how done, do you get the feel for the? For instance, when I've, done, when I've done the Masters. Uh, Generally, the first couple of days, you know, it's amazing how often you write about guys who by Sunday are completely irrelevant. Sure. You know, the the first round leader is, your, you know, your big story. And then by f- Saturday, Sunday, you look at the scoreboard <laughs> and he's gone. tied for 29th, you know. Mm-hmm. So the first couple of days are pretty relaxed. You know, you can pick out somebody you want to write about. Walk around with them for a while. If they're playing lousy, go find somebody else. They're you know they're out there eight nine hours. You can you can find plenty of time. And then if somebody tears up the golf course, you can go hauling back to the press room and hear his post game interview and write and write that. But sure. the first couple of days, at least from a columnist point of view, is you could write probably anything you wanted to. You know I I I did what everybody. The first one I covered I think was eighty one. I did what everybody did. I went and watched Arnie. <laughs> you know, did the Arnie's army was kind of a lost legion by then, but there was still Arnie's army out there. And if he made par, they'd cheer like hell. And you know, you you'd have that stuff. But it's uh, it's fun to write. It's uh, it's fun to write if you don't take it terribly serious. And I guess what I remember about Augusta is the reason you go out and walk around is to just get a little tidbit that. Somebody else might not have, you know, mm-hmm. you can just kind of sit around and eavesdrop and listen to the old Southern Gallery. And back back when I first started, they had the old Southern, you know, the, the Southern folks, the guys from Milledgeville, Georgia, had a lot more badges, patrons badges back then than they right. do now because they got so expensive. I mean, they're not, they all ended up scalping them and stuff. But uh, I remember, I think one of my favorite moments is uh, we were following I was just down on the 13th hole, and some guy, somebody was a guy inside the ropes, a security guy inside the ropes, marshal, whatever you want to call him, 
uh, was in just an old Southern boy that been standing in the same place on a golf course for 30 years, you know, right. had that job. And, and some guy walks up to him and they're neighbors or something. The other guy's outside the ropes. He's inside the rope. Mm-hmm. What's going on, Bill? He said, and this, this old guy says, I don't know, Pete. He says, we just had that Ian Baker Finch come through here. <laughs> Ian Baker Finch. And he said, that boy's a danger to wildlife. <laughs> he was, he, you know, that Ian Baker Finch got the worst hook in the history. He, he'd been a great player, and then he got this terrible hook, and he couldn't play anymore. Right. I mean, he, he couldn't play anymore. and. And he'd hit the, apparently hit the ball up in the trees, up up to the left, way out of bounds. And he said, "Yeah, they were up there tromping around looking for his ball for about ten minutes. They were wow. chasing the birds and everything." But that boy's a danger to wildlife, and that 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 kind of stuff always made golf fun. And I guess I was there for Norman's great collapse in uh, was it ninety five, ninety six when mm-hmm. he was finally going to win a Masters, and he blew it. So I mean, when you see, I, I guess the. I guess the great thing about it is man versus course, you know, because it's not even me versus you. It's Right, you're going it, against yeah, the course. Now, the Ryder Cup, it's me versus you, but mm-hmm. most places it's man versus course, and that, that kind of made it fun to write, I always thought, as opposed to football, which there's certainly drama, drama in it, but it's, it's, it's hard stuff to cover. Football, I mean, you were a beat guy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's hard work. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not full of of necessarily characters. No. Like baseball and golf strike me as far more likely to be character driven. Mm-hmm. Like there are stories, especially columns. I, I think a football game story is not hard to write, but if you're trying to draw people out in football, it's mm-hmm. damn near impossible. Yeah, and even more so through the years. I think it's. it's oh yeah, got, they've, they've begotten. Uh, they've you know, I mean, Bull Durham. And how long we've been. Since Bull Durham, 25 years now? 89. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, about 25, 25 years. 27 yeah. years. Yep. That really was, to me, sort of a transition point of people not answering questions. <laughs> you, oh, you know, people not wanting, to, not, not wanting to be colorful, yep. you know, and just throwing out cliches. And uh, and it, it, it made it. Uh, difficult. And golfers, the one thing about golfers is they haven't really been good quote guys, but they're, you know, they're always like, we got one of the worst coming to town here. Davis Love as the captain is like, he was just arrogant and uh, above it all. And, and, but their, their characters, some of them are characters, but, but more than being characters, they're, you know, it, it, it's so much focused on them that every little characteristic in them, you know, like Tiger hitting one, in the, hitting one at Pebble Beach and mm-hmm. screaming out profanities. <gasps> Everybody going here. Taking it back because they can hear yeah, it. Yeah, there's 5,000 profanities in every play on a football field. Of course. If you do it on a golf course, it's completely different. But I got to say, covering him, I got to cover, I don't know, I, I saw his... His Masters victories, all of them. And I saw at least, I think, his three open victories. I covered all of those, I think. And I I've got I got to see him. I'm not saying he's the greatest athlete because golf cannot be considered the greatest athlete, but I, I, I do think he's the most dominant person in his sport that I've ever seen. I mean, if, if he, sure. was, he was winning 
forty percent of his golf tournaments for a decade. Mm-hmm. That's him versus eighty-eight people in Augusta and one hundred and fifty-six people at the U.S. Open. Yep. That's one man versus you know yeah. he's winning more. He was winning golf tournaments more often than the Twins are winning baseball games. You know, <laughs> which is uh, you know. Pretty phenomenal. So, did he change? Did did he ch- single handedly change the sport as far as as we went from the guys who, who were in decent shape, certainly, but but he came in in great shape and trained for these things. Yes. And now, and now we have a lot of golfers who are in yes. great shape. Yeah, you, you know, I, I think there's there's no doubt about it that that he was really the role model, even though he was, you know, even though a lot of the guys like Adam Scott is how much younger than him. Eight years mm-hmm. is all, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you look at these, these, this, this generation here is all Tiger Woods generation. Even if it's into, the, even if they're into their early thirties, because you know when they were ten, he was, you know, coming out. You know, yeah. when they were twelve, he was twenty. He was just coming out, and they, yeah, he he was a role model for everybody. For everybody wanted to be Tiger. Now. They don't want to be Tiger anymore because they can beat him. But right, and he was. Uh, I uh, a lot of people, and he's going to be here as a captain, which I get one of the assistant captains, or whatever they are. They got they got way too many <laughs> of these guys. But I can't believe that he would ever deign to do that to show up and not play. Yeah. But uh, uh, I a lot of people were really turned off by his aloofness and stuff. But I always thought, considering how many people. Wanted a piece of him, you know. I mean, that mm-hmm. the, he never had a moment's peace, really, if he was out in public in any way. I thought he he did his duty. You know, he would come and do his nine times out of ten, even if he had a lousy round. Right. Uh, he he'd come and talk, and you know, he'd he'd answer questions. He wouldn't, you know, break it down for you too much, but he he at least would answer questions. I. I was there at, uh, at the British Open. The only British Open I covered is he'd already won the first two that year, and there was everybody thought he was going to win all four. And after 36 holes, he was right in, in really like prime condition to win. And then he got caught in a storm at Mirfield in the af- the afternoon shift that day. Got caught in this incredible storm, and there they just keep playing. I mean, there wasn't lightning, so they just, they just driving, keep going through rain, the rain and wind howling and. And he shot 82, and I knocked him out of it because, I mean, everybody who was playing then shot 82, and it knocked him out of it. And and he went and answered his questions after that. So that that showed me that, you know, I I always appreciated the fact that uh, he at least would talk. But yeah, golf is uh, fun to. I think it's probably more fun to write than maybe it is for people to read, <laughs> you know. But yeah. it's fun to write because you you get a little tidbits and you can describe the golf course and. All that stuff. I've 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 enjoyed covering golf. This is going to be different, though. First of all, you know the newspapers will have five six guys out there, and and it's and you, your access to the athletes is not that good. You usually, ended up just talking to the captains afterwards, right. which is it's. I think people are going to be disappointed in how much golf they can actually see when they're out there. Because if you're going to have 40,000 people trying to watch well, yeah, four, you're not group, be able to get around the... four groups of golf, you can't, you know, you can't go out and say, boy, I'm going to follow uh, Rory McIlroy around today. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. You're going to get to the next hole, and they're going to be 20 deep, you know. 
Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. So you, you covered a Ryder Cup. You covered the 99 one, right? Yeah, I covered 99. I covered cover 97 in Spain. Okay. I covered, uh, I mean, I've done, I've done all Oak Hill. I did Valderrama. I did the 91 when they had the big comeback in Boston. I covered four or five of them. And, yeah, they're great. I mean, they're fun, but uh, the one in Spain was the most fun because Sebi was the captain. It was the first time it had been put in mainland Europe, you know. Mm-hmm. It it had always been in uh, England, either England or Scotland or Ireland, and it was the first time they'd had it in Spain. And Sebi was the captain, and that's when Tiger had just become Tiger. You know, mm-hmm. ninety seven. He's the kid. He's the guy that's going to come over there and win the win the Ryder Cup for the U.S. And it's funny. There was a hole up on a hill. I can't remember what it was. Like fourteen, fifteen was up in the back of the golf course. I can still see it. And to Tiger, you know, they can do the home country or the home continent and sets up the golf course the way they want to. Okay. So, in other words, Hazeltine is being set up the way Davis Love and the U.S. team wants it. Mm-hmm. In Europe, that year, in Spain, this is when Tiger was hitting at 300 and nobody else was. You know, now everybody hits at 300. So Right. Tiger was the only guy hitting at 300. From 290 to 310, they just grew this rough right across the fair, <laughs> right across the fairway. So Tiger couldn't couldn't blow it 20 yards past everybody. So everybody'd be hitting to this par five from the same distance because yeah. they they could all hit it up there short of the grass. But they just they had a big 20 yard strip of thick rough right in the middle of the fairway. But there wasn't a bunker there or anything. It was just, it. just a big grass to well, stop Tiger from hitting them. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with this place. They're going to apparently not grow any rough, and uh, they want uh, uh, they want the, they want it to be very vulnerable to birdies, I guess, because they figure the U.S. has players that can make more more birdies than the, the Brits do. But I mean, than the Europeans. Sure. So in. in... 97 or after that, was this tournament as big as it is oh now? Or was the, the Ryder Cup has grown since Well, if you go back, I, I'm going to do this for the paper. Yeah. I'm going to go back and look at the 1977 Star Tribune, or Tribune and Star and see how it was covered when we were still playing British. We were still playing Great Britain. Right. Because it was a nothing event because the U.S. won all the time. You know, it was just Great Britain. And it was a nothing. I bet. I bet it's five graphs and a little bit of agate. Really? You on page three? U.S. wins another right. Just a little roundup. Yeah, yeah. And and Jack was the one who said, you know, Sebi was the kid, you know, from Spain that was the most became this dynamic force Mm -hmm. in golf was becoming the guy that everybody wanted to see. And it was Nicholas's idea to say, push the idea, hey, let's turn this into a real event and get, get the main, get the continent of Europe in there too. And 79, really? was, 79 was a start before okay. that. Because, you know, Jack, 
in his, you know, in his own egomaniacal way, and he was egomaniacal, but wanted competition. Sure. And he, I think he thought he was wasting his time. You know, he'd go over there and they'd have an opening ceremony and they'd make all these pompous comments about the tradition of the Ryder Cup, and then the U.S. would beat him 18 to 6 or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it was it was a complete mismatch. And uh, and he got the continent of Europe in there and got Seve in there. I think the U.S. beat him the first, not sure which is the first year Europe won. It might have been 83. And... You know, and then once Europe beat him, but the right from the get go, it was more competitive when Seve and when they got those guys. There's another Spaniard too, Galara Gallardo or something like that, who helped them. And then then the Swedes started playing. You know, and then you then Bernard Langer came along, and and it it became then it became an event. But sure. I was telling Joe this the other day, though. I mean, really, this isn't like. This isn't like taking on the Soviet Union in hockey. I mean, we're not mad at Europe, are we? No. No, I mean, no, no. So what's no, the deal? It's that. a completely different yeah. kind of competition. It's like it's like our guy Gatlin running against Usain Bolt. Well, we were all rooting for Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, but, yeah, because we thought but, he was one of us. But what I'm part. saying is it's, uh, I mean, people are paying phenomenal amounts of money. They're going to be walking around with the U.S. flag. They're going to be chanting I think because they think they should be there, though, yeah, right? That's the thing now. USA, USA. Yeah. But who gives a damn? Who gives a damn if USA or Europe wins? But but the problem now, Pat, is, is we don't play. I, I don't think there's any international sports competition that we're still involved in where we hate somebody, really. Is there? No, no. We're, we're the like bad Canada guys. And hockey. We don't the care. trouble is we're the bad guys. Yeah. We're the, yeah, we're the yeah. I mean, the Olympics. I I haven't covered one now since '02, but uh, but by '02 we were the Soviet Union was gone and we were the bad guys. Yeah, so that, we're I right. mean, we used to, you know. I, I think the world was happy in '80 when we beat the Soviet Union in hockey. Mm-hmm. Now they are. Now they're rooting us and Russia. They don't care who. Yeah, no, it's who, if we win. Not a big deal, you know, and. Uh, you know, nobody. We're, we're the bad guys. We we bring more athletes. We bring more money. Yep. We bring more jackasses. Yeah. Ryan Lochte and the fella. We bring you know idiots. Uh, yeah, we are the bad guys. Yeah, we're the bad guys, and that's that's not it. We love to be underdogs, but we aren't. We try I, though. We try our hardest still. I remember '84. I covered the Olympics in L.A. and the L.A. Times did 48 pages a day on the Olympics. 44 or 48. There's a bygone era. Either 44 or 48. And they are, and the Soviets didn't show up, you know, in the whole thing. So yes. so it was, you know, like we were winning everything. It was routine as could be. And our U.S. women's gymnastics team mm-hmm. beat China, I think, which wasn't even... You know, Romania and the Soviet and the Soviets were always the stars in right. women's gymnastics. But I remember a big headline about miracle in L.A. that our girls' gymnastic teams beat. We were so desperate <laughs> to be an underdog and have we a miracle. We wanted anything to be a miracle. A miracle. It was, uh, yeah. So it was. We we love to be underdogs, but hey, if we beat Europe out here, we should beat them. We got. Mm-hmm. This U.S. team, they got eight, nine of the greatest players that ever lived. Europe's got about four. Mm-hmm. You should beat them. The only way you can lose to them is if you choke. 
How and, big of a deal is is this event from from a from a standpoint of we've had what the Super Bowl here in '92, we're going to have one in 2018, World Series up here. Stanley Cup, blah blah blah. How how big is the Ryder Cup? The amount of dollars it brings in is is pretty high. And I've heard Stansbury talk about you know, oh, you won't believe it. It's bigger than no, it's not. It's international, but it's not. It's not. It's not anywhere on the same planet with the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Sure. I mean, it's nice to be here, and it's certainly for the dollars it can generate for Hazeltine. Mm -hmm. It's better than having a PGA. Mm -hmm. But Frankly, I'd rather watch the PG. I'd rather watch a U.S. Open or something like that. I'd rather have that here. A normal tournament. Yeah, I'd rather have a or a, a, a big major. A major, you major, right. yeah. But but it's 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 big. But it's just because it's international doesn't you know it's, it's to me it's ten uh, percent of a Super Bowl, ten percent mm -hmm. of a twenty percent of a World Series, and probably twenty percent of the Stanley Cup Finals, which we're going to be. In any year now, right? Yeah, a year <laughs> ten, maybe Pat, maybe ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the Ryder Cup of today is a hell of a lot bigger than the Stanley Cup was in '91. Right. But but everything, everything is, is enormous. Everything's big. The now. Super Bowl. When we get it, we are coming up with fifty million dollars to get the Super Bowl to come here. I don't know what. I don't think we had to spend that kind of money to get the Ryder Cup to come. They they did juice up the golf course and build a clubhouse and do all right. that stuff. Right. But they let the golf course make a lot of money, hmm. whereas the NFL doesn't let the— They'll take everything. Doesn't let the city make any money, but, but I mean, doesn't let the area except hotels or whatever. If you could go back and cover one major again between the four of them, which one would you go back and cover? Hmm— Maybe a British Open or two, but I remember I had gone to the, I think I'd gone to five Masters in a row, and for some reason the St. Paul paper in 86 was having one of its, you know, we can't, you know, they didn't, <laughs> budget cutting they didn't send me, yeah, one of those little budget cutting things, and then I went again a lot, quite a bit, but in 86 I didn't go, and that's when Jack won at age 46. I suppose that yeah, was. That I was. I remember sitting in my living room watching TV, saying, "Yeah, I, sh I should be there for this." So, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that one. I was never a big Jack guy. I thought he was one of the great sideways egomaniacs of all time. But, but that would have been one to have been at, mm -hmm. considering I was at about eighteen out of twenty in that period there. So that was one of the ones I missed. Sure, that was that was uh, that was that was I. I I guess that one probably would be it. Yeah, that would have been that would have been fun to write. But the uh, I would have loved to have covered a few more British Opens. I only did the one, but that's, there's something about it. It's and you did the one at Muirfield. At because, is that right? No, no, 2002 because okay. we, we were having the PGA here. All right, sent me to that one. And uh, no, I didn't see Layman's one. I saw the year uh, Ernie Els won it. The year I did, I went. But uh, I would have liked to cover a few more just to. Just to see the places, you know. Sure. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't have any complaints about uh, the number of I got to cover up. Layman, I, uh, I remember flying in. John Rowe was covering him at Oakland Hills and looked like he was finally going to win his U.S. Open. And I got a 4.30. I remember going to the airport at 4.30 in the morning to fly into Detroit and go out for Sunday because we wanted to have a columnist there when he won. And, 
Damn, let that one get away from him, too. <laughs> he had a T-shirt. That's Which year was one. that? Oh, Around. Man. Well, he was in the last group four straight years. I was going to say, yeah, he had Open. success there. And I was at Congressional with him, and he should have won that one. But the one at Oakland Hills is the one he should have won in Detroit because he only had to beat Steve Jones. And Steve Jones hadn't done anything for several years beforehand and didn't do anything afterwards. And Tom let him beat him. Tom Lehman was, Lehman was at his zenith then. And uh, Steve, he should have beaten Steve Jones. At least at Congressional, he got beat by Ernie. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, here he got beat by a guy right. he should have beat. That was, but that was uh, that was a bad one. But I, Layman, I love Layman. One of my, I, I probably shouldn't uh, tell stories about my wife, but but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Layman, we we really adopted Layman, and I basically one of the big pushes to. Uh, for the 97 to go into Valderrama. I, and, I, and I paid for part of that trip, too, I would say, but they they paid for some part of it, too, was Lehman. It, it might have been his first Ryder Cup. I'm not sure. Yeah. But but we went to Spain and saw, you know, covered that Ryder Cup and, and then went uh, several, like, uh, we sent two guys to the U.S. Opens, both John and I, because of Lehman, and we we sent, we covered a lot of stuff because of Lehman. Right. In 2002, Tigers at Pebble Beach, uh, that's where he won by 15 strokes. He was 12 under, and the next best score was three over by Ernie. But Kim Heron was, was a good player then, and... He had some a, a a good friend of my wife's wife's from her days at St. Mary's uh, rehab center was they owned a home on the 16th hole at Spyglass mm-hmm. Hill, which is right next door. It's like less than a mile walk, half a mile walk to the club to the clubhouse at Pebble Beach, and the Herons were good friends of them. That same couple from what is that a country club yeah so lumpy was staying with them and we were staying it was all closed off in there but we got a parking pass from them and i was we were my wife was with me and i was we were parking in their driveway right you know parking in there so i come home back one night and lumpy misses the cut this had to be friday night lumpy misses the cut and my wife had been over there She'd watch some golf, and she'd been over there, and they'd all had several <laughs> cocktails. They'd had several cocktails, and Lumpy was pretty well hammered, and she was she had a nice buzz on too, and she was telling Lumpy, "You gotta start playing better, because Layman's getting old, and we can't count on him to get us to take all these trips anymore. We need you to get us to make these trips because Layman's getting too old, and you got to start playing better so we could make these trips. You know, it was because she knew without someone local, you yeah, never no, going on these trips. No, we were never going to Europe again. That was for oh. damn sure. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> said, Honey, what do you say we head on back to where we're staying? So. Well, at, least he was, at least he was drinking too. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'm sure he didn't take. Yeah, it he didn't have a tea time the next day, so he was. Yeah, oh. it was quite a discussion between because she was not. Uh, I had her the one time she went to Augusta with me. Uh, that was funny too because uh, 
we're walking around and, you know, just like on Friday afternoon and Lehman comes walking by and, and uh, these two Southern guys, like guys 35 years old, just yeah. but golf guys, you know, yellow sure. sweaters, and yeah. real golf guys, but, you know, fairly well-to-do, but, you know, guys who were going to go to Augusta, have some drinks, yep. chase some gals, yep. and watch golf. And they were, and one guy says, the other guy says, hey, that's that Lee Man guy. That's that Lee Man guy. And my wife, being the nosy person she is, said, it's pronounced layman. She says to the guy, that's pronounced layman. Yep. And he turns around and he says, lady, I wanted to, I wanted to have someone correct me. I would have stayed home with my wife. I wouldn't be in Augusta. It was, it was great. And I said, oh. I think you're right, sir. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh. That was funny. She, was, uh, she wasn't exactly Miss Golf. She didn't enjoy going on the on Well, it'd be, the a fun, it'd be fun trips, though. Oh, yeah. They were fun, fun trips. So, anyway. So, in the, uh, in the uh, man versus the course aspect of this, what is, the, what is the greatest day of golf you saw or you've seen or, or covered? Oh, I don't know. One of the great shootouts I've seen. I saw a few of them at Augusta. I, you know, one I always remember is Curtis Strange. Mm-hmm. Whatever the heck year that is. And Curtis was not exactly a, a sweetheart. But uh, Curtis Strange, this is before Tiger at Augusta. And he shot 80 the first day. He was like this prominent player yep. coming to and everybody was right, and and you know he's a southern guy. He went to Wake Forest, and and I remember everybody was right in the Curtis choking Curtis story. Shot eighty. Mm-hmm. Next day, he shot sixty five, made the cut, and had the damn thing won on Sunday afternoon after starting off with an eighty, and he hit it in the crick on. He hit it in the crick either on thirteen or fifteen. I think he hit it in the crick on thirteen and ended up losing the tournament. But I I always remember that day because he. He just played great. Of course, the Norman, you know, Nick Feldo shooting Norman being up by six and losing. That was the up by six and losing meltdown by, of all yeah, time. Up right? by six well, one and losing by five. Yeah, Nick shot. Uh, Nick shot sixty-seven. He shot seventy-eight, mm-hmm. and they were in the last group. Nick was a killer. Nick was a killer. You you hear him on the broadcast now, and it's. I mean, he was he was, and he was not a. He was not an affable chap back then either. He was very, very serious fellow. And uh, so we're talking about a bunch practice. of surly guys here, then. Well, yeah, Sebby was a surly guy, but in a in a in a funny way, you know. He was he was hilarious. Like I remember once, you know, down there, they, if you get an eagle, you get a crystal glass. Okay. And and there's there's a famous story. I think Corzo claims to have asked him the story about. How'd you four putt? And he said, "I miss, I miss, I miss, I make." <laughs> That's his famous. But I, I remember once they said, they said, uh, uh, "Savvy, tell us about your eagle on 13. You know they got two holes there where it gives up a lot of eagles. Sure. Thirteen and fifteen and thirteen. He says, "Lava, eight iron, eight feet." Glass. <laughs> you know, that's what he said. I mean, he was that kind of guy. But he, he'd have the. I think the the Ryder Cup. My favorite Ryder Cup round was at 
though, when the U.S. made the comeback at, at the, no, it was at Oak Hill. It wasn't at, uh, it wasn't at, uh, at the country club. It was at Oak Hill. Mm-hmm. Seve was kind of hanging on. You know, he flamed out early, mid-30s. And he's playing Lehman. And he he hit a branch off a tree in a 110-yard drive, and he was all over the golf course. And Lehman's hitting it pure. And Seve is putting on the damnedest scrambling display you ever saw, and they're even after eight holes. Yeah. One guy's been impeccable. Yeah. And the other guy's been... Look like me, yeah. But he's making these saves, and I remember once he had a willow tree ahead of, in front of him that was about a hundred feet high, and he hit the ball up over that willow tree and plopped it down and made a forty-foot putt. And then finally, uh, Lehman beat him on a eighth or ninth hole and ended up beating him bad. But man, that was uh, that was fun to watch because uh, and Seve, I remember like on the first hole, Lehman won. Sevy was, he had like a four-foot putt, and he, Sevy had been so f- all over the golf course that he had, Lehman had the two-putt from four feet, mm-hmm. so in that case, you just concede the putt, you know, to the Ryder Cup. And, sure. And just as he was taking the club back, Sevy says, concede. You know, he waited, <laughs> and Lehman got mad at him and made the putt anyway <laughs> and walked him down, but yeah. That that's the kind of stuff you see. Sevy was was great for the Ryder Cup. He created the Ryder Cup, and he loved the Ryder Cup. The Euros really get into it, but the thing about them is, if you're going to go party after the matches Friday night, yeah, you want to go party with Darren Clark and the Irishman, or do you want to go party with these tight ass U.S. guys? Yes, I, I want to. I want to go. I want to go party I'm with going Rory to with the, <laughs> I'm going to Brits or the locals is yeah. where I'm going. That's right. And I wonder. I bet they. I, that's. I wonder how many of the Euro fans are be staying downtown. I think there's a lot of them staying downtown. Now they're going to discover the Brits and the locals. They're local, not going to huh? stay out in Chaska. I'll tell no, you that right no, now. They got no, no interest in the western no. suburbs of of Minneapolis. All our friend Lumpy is having a party uh, Friday and Saturday at Excelsior. They're having good bands and stuff. Really? So if, if people make their way over there, yeah. Last thing for you, uh, the greatest fat or out of shape golfer you saw? Because oh, Stadler, I was there when Stadler pre Tiger. That that was the great thing. Stadler, Stadler, he won it one year, and he got bigger and bigger. But he got Stadler. <laughs> I remember somebody saying he was he was playing a yellow ball there, and you know he was playing a yellow ball, and he and everybody always say you keep. I remember somebody said. You wonder if he's just going to mistake it for a Cheeto and eat it because <laughs> he was just a boost, Pick it up you know? and pop oh, yeah. his mouth. And you, the great thing about him was he had that goofy mustache and a grumpier now, you know, and a big, fat, grumpy guy who could hit the hell out of him. He smoke or two? Can't remember. There were some of those guys I know that oh, worked yeah, on the they course. Smoked. Though, I don't know about the heaters out. Luffy was, you know, yeah. a big Luffy could really cup one. They yeah. had some great cup ones. The best cupper ever, though, is that Angel Cabrera who won it. Couple yeah, of majors he could really cup. You do love the guy who can cup them. Takes but the Euros back in the day, hell, they play with them in their mouths. You know, but not, <laughs> not anymore. They, we, we, it's not kosher anymore. But you know, uh, you were bringing up one up, Tom. When Tom had a a chance to win the win the really had a chance to win the Masters. I remember I went. You know, he's a, he was speaking at a Christian church on Sunday morning, like at nine thirty mm-hmm. or something, and giving his testimony, and 
And I remember I went there, and this was going to be the day he won it. And then Jose Maria, I lost, I lost my ball. <laughs> Ended up beating him, and that was, that was a hard loss too, man. I thought he was going to win that day. I thought, he, yeah, there was a. I always said the official, the official battle cry of the layman gallery was, Ugh! <laughs> you know, he just didn't make putts. He, he didn't putt poorly, but he didn't make putts. He made Ugh! very Minnesota ah! type of thing, Patrick. Ooh! Yeah, right. When it comes to our sports teams and our yeah, sports right. people, was, right? Yeah, just kind of a little Blair Walsh, a little to the left. Oh. So anyway, Ryder Cup, you're going to be out there a few days. Yeah, huh? we're going to be broadcasting out there. Oh, all right, you going as well? Oh yeah, we're going to be there. The Parking's going to be very interesting by that point. I think they'd make us park in about Monticello and bus it in. They'd like to place. if they could. Yes, they'd, they'd like to. There are lots of security out there, but uh, have a good time, folks. But uh, don't expect to watch a lot of in-person <laughs> golf unless you get there you early. Got the jumbotron. You said so. Come on. <laughs> unless you get there early. Of course, the famous, the, the most famous Minnesotan, yeah, Minnesota golf event ever is the playoff. For the uh, 91 U.S. Open, yes. Payne Stewart and uh, Scott Simpson, mm-hmm. and they thought they you could just use your Sunday ticket because they didn't they never tried to sell tickets for the playoff. You could just use your Sunday ticket, and, yep. and when they'd had playoffs in the Fat Pass, two thousand people show up. Yeah, because you know? they had all thirty five thousand people showed up to watch two people play golf. Really? Oh yeah! Oh, I crazy. Remember I that. say it's. I the remember most, that tournament. Really I well. say it's the most embarrassing moment in Minnesota 35, sports. Thirty-five thousand people. Thirty, thirty-five thousand. More than thirty. What the hell did they see? I don't nothing. nothing. <laughs> Just the backs of everyone nothing. else. I remember writing a call, writing about this kid who fell out of a tree. He was up. He was up, and the branch broke, and he came down. Yeah. But five years later, I, five years ago, I ran into him, and he said, "Remember me?" I said, "No." He says, "I'm the kid who fell out of the tree at this." Oh, you're kidding! At, at Hazeltine. Yeah, don't climb any trees and yeah. don't expect to, uh, you know, don't expect to see a whole lot of golf, but have a good time out there. All right, sir. Roycey Rambles. I'm sure we'll be back again. Patrick can do this soon. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.